This is That'sInTheBible.com That's in the Bible, episode number 67, Chastisement. Troubles and times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saved from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Jesus is Hello and welcome to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. You've tuned in to That's in the Bible, a show that we talk about different topics that are in the Bible, things that maybe you hadn't even thought were in the Bible, and uh, and even more things. Today joining me is a full house. We've got Pastor Strobel. Pastor Strobel, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you very much. And we've got Pastor Steve. How do you do? I'm doing fine. Still alive and kicking and breathing good. Sound good there? Yes. Very good. And uh, Matthew up there in the Arctic Circle? I'm doing good. And when we say Arctic Circle, we're not saying it's because it's cold. Well, I'm sure it is cold, but it's because he's actually in the Arctic Circle, and we're coming through the uh, technological marvel, hopefully, of uh, what is called Skype. So he's able to join us via Skype. And uh, what's the temperature there, Matt? Well, it's uh, about 25 degrees with the wind chill. It's about zero, but uh, the snow is melting. Praise the Lord! So we're uh, we uh, the sun goes down around 11:30 at night now. So we get a lot of sunshine, and uh, we're starting to be able to see the uh, dirt roads. So that's a blessing. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, so I think I looked on my phone the other day just to see what your uh your day hours are like, and it, I think it said something like sunrise at seven and sunset at eleven thirty. And then, does it just now keep it just keeps staying lighter and lighter as the summer goes? Yeah, between uh, June and July, it'll be uh, just twenty four seven light. So the first uh, the first year we were here, it took a while to get used to that because what the kids do, they're out of school, so the kids, the parents just sleep all day, you know, parents mm-hmm. parents sleep uh, all night long, but the kids, they let their kids roam the streets, so it's like a different, <laughs> it's like a scary movie where the kids all take over or something, <laughs> they, they take over the village, so the kids are usually sleeping all day, and then they are out all night long from one in the morning till about nine, at, you know, in the morning, so it's, it's a weird place. So it's not unheard of to have kids running around three or four in, in the morning? No. Wow, that would take some getting used to. I don't know how you sleep if you're hearing people outside your, you know, your door. <laughs> you don't <laughs> running around. Huh, that would be hard. Do you have like darkening shades or something, or? Yeah, we we just got darkening shades last year because we we couldn't sleep with the sun in our eyes, and we just got a fan, loud fan, to uh, hopefully drown out the the sound for this uh, coming summer. Wow. Pretty cool. Well, here it was a beautiful day. I'm in the Finger Lakes region of New York State, and it was like 73 degrees and sunny. It was gorgeous. I actually was able to, it's been bugging me for a while, was able to clean my car inside and out. So that was uh, semi-productive for me this morning. (laughs) How about you guys, Steve and Pastor uh, Strobel? Yeah, it was a beautiful day out. I've been looking forward to this one. The last time the semi-long range show that was going to get up into the 60s it changed and never quite it never even came close to that 
Um, but today we we got up uh, around that as well. We're uh, right now it's at sixty nine on my phone. So nice. enjoyed it. Was able to get outside. Um, actually, go out and do a bit of running outside today. So that was a blessing to get out instead of just doing it on the treadmill. Yeah, nice. And Steve over there, uh, it's it's not Buffalo. Where is it you're at? Well, we're in West Seneca. It's just a suburb of Buffalo, so we're just outside the city limits. Um, the church is in Buffalo itself, so uh, it doesn't take long to drive over to the church from where we are. But uh, I didn't experience much of the day at all. I was inside all day working, and uh, so mentioned to the guys uh, earlier that uh, from the uh, factory to the to the uh, truck to come home was about the extent that I was able to enjoy the day. Uh, getting home probably around four o'clock, and then getting ready, you know, taking a shower, and then then getting ready for the podcast and so forth. Didn't have much of a chance to really enjoy it, but I'm sure that there are days that I will be able to. And I'm this is a hopefully a one of many days. <laughs> Yeah, we've had are. a long winter. <laughs> we sure have. Oh yeah. So, are you tempted to take the uh, the microphone and uh, run it outside the window there, or something, and well, go outside? You know, I, I, I'm wanting to run run a fan. I'm wanting to open the window. I'm wanting to <laughs> do all kinds of stuff. Got the edge. Yeah, it's gorgeous today. It's beautiful out. So, week was good. Um, church was good. So everything we had a we had a good week. The Lord's been good. I mean, I. I Stop and think every so often, probably not as often as I should, about how merciful and how how, how gracious he is, you know, giving us, I mean, first of all, to live in America, <laughs> you know, of all the places you could have been born, but to to have the freedoms that we still apparently have, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really thankful yeah. of that. So I thought what we do maybe is before we start today's um, topic or lesson today is we'd maybe do just a quick review, something that might help others that I know that when I get together with you guys or I'm talking with you guys, often we'll we'll all ask, you know, what are you reading or what are you listening to or, you you know, anything good. And we'll we'll share different um, ideas about, you know, different books maybe we've read or different CDs we've listened to. And I thought maybe it might help some of the folks that might be listening too to to discover something new that uh, might help to... uh, edify them or just encourage them in their in their walk with the lord so so i thought we'd start with matt what do you got do you have a pick of the day for us yeah i really like uh it's been a blessing i can't remember how long it's been a few years at least they've had it but it's called uh, final fight bible radio Amen. and you can go to the website i can go on the app store and i know they've got it on the android store too free download and get that app and it's been a blessing to me they they say Pretty much their goal is to keep your minds out of the gutter by good music, good preaching, and, um, you know, of course, uh, prayers for missionaries uh, all over the world. And so uh, I guess my pick would be that. It's, uh, again, a phone app where you can just download it uh, on your computer or just even stream it on your computer. You can even call in with your phone if you don't have any of that or a good Internet connection. You can call in and listen to it. And they've got uh, a lot of really good... Uh, you know, solid music, you know, a lot of contemporary, not really any contemporary music at all. And uh, they got, got some good preachers and teachers on there. They've got uh, Pastor Bevins Welder out in Texas. He's really good. Uh, I actually, I learned of him. Uh, actually, I met him in, in Ohio to pastors uh, conference a while ago, but 
uh, never heard him teach before. And so actually Final Fight Bible Radio kind of got me to go to his website and start listening to his uh, teaching too. So that's a blessing. And, uh, but you know, they've also got Dr. Ruckman and they've got, uh, Pastor Peacock and uh, many other good preachers on there. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a blessing to check that out. We had one of my teenagers in our church was saying, you know, do you have any good music for me? Um, and I told, I told them all you got to do, cause you know, all the kids nowadays, they're, they're just always on their phones. I said, you need to, you need to download Final Five Bible Radio. Cause the, the nice thing is, is I know, you know, she's not only going to be getting good music, but she'll be getting good, good preaching as well. So, man, I know I um, I stream that. So I have the app on my phone, and anytime I drive anywhere, I uh, stream it through the uh, the car. And sometimes I just stream it here through the through house and just to listen to it. And it's yeah, like man. a ra- it's like a radio. You know, you can't you can't decide what you're going to hear next. But they do have if you go to their website, they do have a schedule. You can kind of see what's coming up. You know, in general, but um, and I've listened and found some new music that way as well that I wasn't aware of mm-hmm. that I yeah, was man. able to hear and some preachers and stuff. So it's it's good. It's you know the trouble with so called Christian radio is that's not really you know Christian radio. And one of the things they say on Final Fight is that when's the last time you heard a, the gospel presented on Christian radio? You know, yeah. death, burial, yeah. resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you, you don't. So and and it's yeah. always a little suspect the music you're going to hear and the preaching you're going to hear. So I found this to be a little bit of an oasis on the media. So it, it's been good. I I completely agree. If you haven't given it a listen, it's free. It's it's great to do. Uh-huh. All right, Pastor Steve, what do you got for us? Well, I'm uh, the oddball of the group, and and uh, really not uh, technology is not my forte. But uh, many many years ago, before all of the uh, iPhones and all of that kind of stuff came around, I just had uh, been saved. Went down to Bible school, and uh, what we did for fun uh, it may not sound like fun, but it was to me. As we would go to um, uh, flea markets and things and look for old books. It was look and to build up my library uh, and so forth and, and uh, found a lot of old books and so forth. And one of them that I have in my, in my library, I just started reading it again. It's called Angel, uh, The Angel in the Marble, and it's by a fellow by the name of George F. Uh, Pentecost, uh, and he's uh, an evangelist. In fact, uh, I have a, an autographed copy of it, and it was... Uh, uh, Dated in 1884, and uh, there's a quote. There's a little write-up here in the front of the the uh, book. It says, uh, "Mr. Moody uh, has said of him, Mr. Pentecost is an is the uh, I'm sorry is the ablest evangelist uh, that I, that I, that has ever crossed my path." So it's pretty high praise for somebody that. Um, uh, you know, back in uh, D.L. Moody's day for him to say something like that. And uh, basically what, what this book contains is, is essays of uh, different subjects, things like that. The, uh, you know, sometime maybe I'll go into what that angel in the marble is all about, but he talks about consecration and the fact that God is love and the God of peace and, and different things along that line, humility. And they're short little essays, and they're kind of devotional in nature, and just kind of an encouragement. And basically, what I'm—I guess I'm trying to do—is—is is introduce that 
you know, apart from the technology that we have today, there are gold mines out there that are waiting to be discovered. And uh, if you took some time and just kind of peruse some of them, uh, go to, uh, you know, AmVets or go to some of the other uh, shops like that, flea markets and things like that, and take a look at some of these old books that uh, people that have uh, bought out estates and stuff like that and sell them, uh, you might be able to find something like that. I don't know how much this book is, is worth, uh, if it's worth anything, but uh, just to find an autographed copy from somebody from that time period uh, is kind of interesting, kind of neat. So good stuff. I, I, everything that I've read so far lines up. It's amazing and this kind of a, another little sidelight, uh, it's amazing to me when you read something from back in that era, uh, you'd think that the, the times would cause different problems to arise. Uh, they're covering the same kind of problems and preaching the same kind of things that we're preaching today, at least from our group, if you could, if you could say that. And uh, they were worried about uh, all kinds of uh, Corruption in the in the body of Christ and uh, the world uh, encroaching in upon Christianity and, and just <laughs> all the same things that we're dealing with today they were dealing with back then. So uh, there's nothing new under the sun, and wow. uh, I just encourage you to go out and find some treasures. So you got an autograph copy? I do. In what year? 1884. Wow. <laughs> That's got to be worth something. I, I did look it up on Amazon, so it is still available. They have a, it's called a classic reprint of The Angel and the Marble mm-hmm. with the George F. Pentecost paperback. At least the time that I'm looking at it here in the States on Amazon is $9.97, hardcover $26.99. So it is still available. Yep. So somebody, How about that? Somebody could still. Yeah, they've got some interesting things in there, and and some of the uh, devotional things. Uh, like I said, they're like essays. They're they're uh, they're not like a um, how was our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a bit longer than that, but uh, they still uh, you know have some some good things to say and challenge you and so forth. So, Amen. Thanks, Steve. Pastor Strobel, what do you have for us? Well, when it comes to Bible study, I think the three most important things to have are a King James Bible, um, a concordance. Of course, you can use a Bible com- program on the computer as well. But uh, in addition to that, a good English dictionary. A lot of people think that you need to get um, you know, foreign language dictionaries, Hebrew, Greek uh, dictionaries. I, I don't recommend really <clears throat> getting those to understand your King James Bible, because those tend to cause more confusion. Uh, master English first. And and to help master English, you, you want to know what the words mean. And I, so I recommend a good English dictionary. And I, and I would like to recommend one that you may hear people refer to. I, I make reference to it. I'll, I'll do it in the study tonight. But it's Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Now, I know that the final authority for defining even the Scripture words are the Scriptures themselves. And if the Scriptures give you a definition that's different than what you find in uh, any any dictionary. We go with the scriptures. <laughs> that being said, um, you know, there's a lot of words that in order to understand them, we just, we look them up in a dictionary and, and we can get a pretty good idea. Uh, Webster certainly is uh, not infallible. Um, he does have a reverence for the scriptures and he does make uh, use of Bible references in his definitions. And his 1828 dictionary was actually the first um, American Dictionary of the English Language. And 
it, it is available in print. It's a pretty big work, um, and, and it's you know hefty in price. But now where we're at today, one of the blessings is that it, too, is available online. You can actually make reference to it online um, on a computer for free. I also have an app for my um, Android phone uh, where I can uh, look up the, the words from 1828. I believe they do have it for um, iOS, uh, Apple now as well, Apple devices, but I'm not really familiar with uh, how well it works for that. <laughs> but it gets you the definitions at your fingertips, and, and the fact that you can do it online, you don't have to purchase it, um, it's a handy reference tool. <laughs> and so the way you would use it is you come, you're reading the Bible, you don't understand a word. Um, there's Again, a concordance will help you to, to look it up in different references and see if maybe you get some light on it. But sometimes just looking it up in the dictionary will give you a better idea of what uh, folks are talking about. So I want to recommend uh, Webster's 1828 uh, just as a, a resource for Bible study. Amen. I have a print copy. I didn't realize it was available online. Yeah, I will try to get a link for you, and uh, Eric, and, and okay. you can post it in the notes if you like. All right, and it's just amazing to me how much scriptures in that Bible. <laughs> you know, Amen. it's 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 pretty neat to see. All right, well, I've got a um, for my pick. I've got a CD. It's by Jeff Murphy called "Faithful and True," and. Um, I thought it was interesting, and I didn't even realize that until I bought it, that Doug Strobel, Pastor Strobel's son, uh, sings on this, he sings bass, um, and he also shares piano duties with uh, a fellow called Micah Garner, Mark, yeah. Micah Garner, and Caleb Darling plays cello. And let's see, Brian Dare also sings here along with Jeff Murphy and Doug Strobel, the other two folks. Um, and it's a CD that I've listened to a lot of. I have it in the car a lot as well. If I'm not listening to Final Fight Bible Radio, and and um, I think it's still available from the um, Bible Baptist Bookstore in Pensacola, and I'll put a link up for that as well. But I thought I'd maybe play you just a little bit here of what it sounds like. Jesus, dug down deep and I build it on the rock, build it on the rock of God. I hold not the rock, but the rock holds me. Rock holds me, the rock holds me. I rest on the rock, and the rock holds me. Resting on the rock of God. Why should I fear when the wind sweeps by? Build it on the rock, Christ Jesus. Shake and be when the waves roll high. Build it on the rock of God. So there's um, that's some guitar bass, but he also has piano bass stuff too. Now and then, old friend of mine. Haven't seen for some time. Will stop by and ask me where you've been. 
What's on your mind? I wonder why I'm not drinking and still painting this old town red. I tell them I'm serving Jesus now, and the old man is dead. That's Jeff Murphy, and the CD is called Faithful and True. And let's see, there's 11 tunes on that, and it's available from Bible Baptist Bookstore. All right, so those are our picks of the day. We thought that might be helpful for some folks that uh, something a little bit new, a little different that than we've uh, done in the past. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at chastisement today, and. And when I first announced that we were practicing before we started out today, Pastor Strobel said, you didn't sound that excited when you said that. <laughs> and I only said, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to be chastised. <laughs> but such as it is, Pastor Strobel, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Amen. Well, you know the subject. Let's uh, start with prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word, and you know, and we know that you've told us uh, we're to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And tonight, uh, we'll look at some words that to the flesh may seem unsavory, and yet, Lord, to the spirit are uh, very uh, beneficial. And I pray you'd give us light on this subject and help us to have the right approach to it in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to deal, as Brother Eric said, with the subject of chastisement. And there are many references in the Bible to chastisement, to chastening, etc. And these are the same type of things. And it's a very important subject for the Christian to understand. And so I want to start by talking about uh, what is chastisement. And I will begin by giving you one of the definitions found in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And he says there, to chastise is to correct by punishing to correct by punishing. There are times, uh, friends, when God deems it necessary to correct his children in such a manner in order to get their attention. And in such cases, God pulls out a spiritual rod and gives his child a spiritual spanking. Uh, These punishments come at different times in different forms and, and for different occasions for different people. And that's to say that God does not always chase in the same way. God told David, for example, he told him that if Solomon, his son, were to commit iniquity, then he would chasten him with the rod of men. That's in 2 Samuel 7, verse 14. Job 33, verse 19, refers to another type of chastisement, saying, He is chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones, bones with strong pain. So there, uh, it talks about being chastened with pain. And that's where the subject for us and our flesh gets a little bit unsavory. In still another case, God told Jeremiah to inform Israel of the following. He said, all thy lovers have forgotten thee. They seek thee not. For I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one. 
for the multitude of thine iniquity because thy sins were increased. And there the Lord uses somebody else, a different uh, enemy, it could be a a different um, nation, to chasten uh, his people with the chastisement of a a cruel one, like as uh, Babylon being a rod in God's hand to chasten his uh, people Israel. Or even even Egypt uh, would be an example uh, of that in, in, in such a time when they were ruling hard with rigor over the children of Israel. Now, further by definition, uh, chastisement includes this, uh, quote, pain inflicted for punishment and correction. So uh, each of these uh, examples that we mentioned, they show an illustration uh, of this definition. So God uses pain, uses discomfort, uses um, less than ideal circumstances to get our attention sometimes in order to punish, in order to correct. So uh, that's what chastisement is, and I want to talk to you a bit about why God does this. Why does God chasten? And the bottom line is that God chastens us for our own good, and, and that's the, 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 way, the reason he does it. That is the truth. I'm going to read you from Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 9 and 10, and they make this uh, really abundantly clear. First, he says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, the fathers of our flesh, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. As a lot of times um, human beings chasten or correct their children, you know, when their kids are getting on their nerves and just, you know, it's kind of like swatting a fly, uh, get away, don't bother me. But the Lord has something else in mind. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, God, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So God chastens us for our benefit, for our own good. God doesn't punish his children because he gets some sadistic pleasure uh, out of doing so. I'm going to cite to another reference here from Jeremiah, uh, or by Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, actually. In uh, Lamentations 3, verses 31 through 33, it says, For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. This isn't really God's uh, number one desire for us. Uh, God will do it when it is necessary. When we, in essence, leave him no choice, a lot of times that's what brings the chastisement upon us in order to get us uh, back on track. God does this to correct us. He does it to correct us when we're going astray uh, because he wants us to lead a godly life. And he knows really that's what's best for us. Um, The commandments that the Lord gives us, the Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, are for our good. When we break those commandments, it's to our own detriment. And so the Lord sometimes has to pull out a spiritual rod to get us back on track. In Psalm 23 and verse 4, David said this. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, uh, Psalm uh, 23 is referred to as the shepherd psalm for obvious reasons. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, and the picture here, then, is a sheep going astray from the fold. And he's getting away from the shepherd, and he's getting out there where there's danger. He's getting out someplace where he might fall off a cliff. He might get attacked by a wild beast. He might encounter some other dangerous situation outside of the shepherd's watch care. And so, <clears throat> for the sheep's own good, the shepherd goes after him, and he pulls out the rod and he directs him back into the fold with that rod. 
And maybe when the sheep first gets uh, hit with that rod, he's, he's angry, he's upset, like, why'd you do that? But uh, when, he, when he sobers up and he sees that he was just about to walk into a situation where uh, he was going to face destruction or, or great harm, then he begins to see the picture of what God's trying to do. And, and the Lord will, will stop him from where he's going to direct him back <coughs> properly to the sheepfold. So this is what God has to do sometimes just to protect the sheep from, uh, from the enemy. <coughs> of, we have as our enemy, uh, our adversary, the devil, who walked about as a roaring lion, you know, seeking who may, may devour. So he's out there sheep hunting, and the Lord's got to uh, keep us safe. And sometimes he, it takes chastisement to do it. Uh, he desires to keep us safe. You know, he won't overrule your will if you're, if you're dead set and determined to go headlong into destruction or into the mouth of the lion, you know, uh, after the Lord chastens you and, and you don't turn, you you may be stuck uh, reaping what you've sown, but the Lord will try to get your attention. So now I mentioned just a, a moment ago, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, and read part of it, and, and that verse also says there at the end, which we read, he does it that we might be partakers of his holiness. So as I was saying, God does it for our good so that we can be partakers of his holiness. And this truth really is comprehended in the very word, chasten. You look at the chasten, the, the root of the word chasten is chaste, which is to be pure. So God's chastening isn't against, not, it's not some sadistic whipping that he wants to give his people because he can, he can and, and he's stronger than us. It's for our good to bring us back to where we ought to be, to the blessings of holiness and purity and right living and a right relationship with our shepherd. Chastisement, when it comes, it might not be pleasant at first, but ultimately uh, we will be better off for it. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. And we can all say amen there. But he goes on, he says, Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so when, when God allows you to go through chastisement when he puts that on you and uh, you are exercised by chastisement it's not going to be enjoyable at first but if you will take it properly when it's all said and done it will afterward yield that peaceable fruit of righteousness causing you through the chastening to live a chaste life wherein you can incur more of the lord's blessing i want to show you another place that the Lord used uh, to enlighten me about chastisement, and that is in Psalm 94. I was uh, going through a bit of it at a particular time in my life, actually. Um, I wasn't often in great sin at this time, but my my mind was uh, heading in a direction that was contrary to the will of God. I, I was seeking the will of God. I was praying for the will of God, and I had it in my mind that um, a certain thing would be the will of God or Maybe I wanted it to be the will of God, but it, but it wasn't. And I had a hard time shaking it. I had a hard time getting it off my mind, off my uh, focus, and, and letting it go. And so um, one time, the way this worked for me, one time I was out uh, playing, I was going to Bible school at the time, I was out playing uh, street hockey with uh, folks in, in Pensacola. Um, Dr. Ruckman was playing goalie in that day. Uh, and we actually were playing street hockey before they had the gymnasium over there. We were playing it. In a, on a basketball court in the University of West Florida where it was an outdoor basketball court that was fenced in 
and we'd set up uh, hockey goals and play hockey out there. And, and I was having a good game. I mean, I, I really was. I was scoring some goals and scoring. I think I scored like three goals on Dr. Ruckman, and I, I was feeling pretty good. And um, about that time, I was thinking about it. I um, was was going through some play, and I happened to step on the blade of another guy's stick. And my foot slid on that blade, and, and I rolled my ankle uh, very badly. And it was I was in pain and agony, and I remember crawling up. Uh, I kind of hobbled off the court, crawled up a little side of this little small hill, and just uh, laid back down on the grass and just groaned. I made my way in my car, got home, and, and crawled into the middle of the floor in my, in my house that I was uh, living in at the time, uh, and um, laid down on the carpet and and just groaned some more. Well, my ankle swelled up. It, it turned all kinds of pretty colors, colors that I'd never seen before. didn't even know were in the spectrum. But um, I was on crutches for a while. But sometime during that point, uh, the Lord showed me this passage here in Psalm 94. And I want to read you from Psalm 94, uh, verses 12 and 13. And it says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord. And God's got to tell us that because sometimes we don't realize we're blessed when we're chastened. Not at the beginning anyway. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. And what came to light at that point was the Lord used that chastening to give me rest. I mean, like I said, my mind was preoccupied with things, and and I can't tell you that I had peace with the preoccupation. It really was a distraction and uh, keeping me from from focusing on the Lord like I ought to, or at least on on everything I ought to have been doing more precisely. But when I rolled my ankle that day, it was like I sobered up and my mind began to clear out. It's kind of like the old films you might see. I think I may have seen this scene on the Three Stooges. Uh, you know, somebody is, they're, they're, they start rambling and just start talking. And say, oh, everything's awful. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and they groan and they drone and they go on just like they're losing it. And the guy across from me, after a while, he reaches over and he smacks him in the face. And then the guy shakes his head, sobers up and says, thanks, I needed that. And I'm going to tell you, that's what it was like when the Lord uh, allowed that to happen. He allowed me to roll my ankle in that uh, street hockey game. And my mind cleared up and my focus uh, got uh, back where it ought to be. And I was able to let that thing go and and pursue the will of God uh, more um, more properly as uh zeroing in better on what the Lord wanted for me. And again, that's when he, he gave me this. And again, I'll read it. But he says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity. And God used that in my life to give me uh, rest from, from that adversity of the preoccupation uh, in my mind. <clears throat> so I want to uh, consider now with you, uh, who gets chastened? Who gets chastened? Now, the real answer to that is that every born-again child of God receives chastening at some time or another. And we know that from Hebrews 12 and verse number 6, which says this, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know, it's possible that sometime you'll get chastened 
even when you're not going greatly astray. And God does this to help perfect you, and he does it to help um, to bless you uh, even more. And um, when it's all said and done, that you might even be blessed more abundantly than you were prior to this chastisement. The Lord will use chastening even in the lives of folks that are living right. Uh, The classic illustration of this in the Bible is Job. You know, when God allowed the devil to trouble Job, uh, Job wasn't wasn't living wrong. Uh, The Bible says that he was perfect and upright. He was fearing God. He was a stew and evil. He he wasn't doing wrong. (laughs) But God did um, some things for Job with his chastening. Two things that I'll I'll mention that God did for Job with his chastening. First thing that God did was he got rid of that last bit of self-righteousness to which Job had been clinging. And uh, you can see that in the book of Job. I'm going to give you some references. We won't read them, but you can look these up on your own. Job 27, verse number 6, Job was hanging on to his integrity. Uh, Job 35, verse number 2. Job 40, verses 6 through 8. And Job 42, and verse number 6. Job was touting for a while his own righteousness, but when he was all said and done, uh, he was abhorring himself and repenting in dust and ashes. And so God used that chastening that uh, the devil got got um, the Lord to, to put on Job, though he was moved against him without a cause, though that was true, God used that chastening to get rid of the last ounce of self-righteousness that Job had been clinging to. And that's one thing God did for Job with the chastening. And the second thing he did was he wound up blessing him twice as much in the end uh, compared to what he had at the beginning. And that's um, a well-known fact and cited in Job 42 and verse number uh, 10. So everybody gets chastened if he's saved. Every child of God gets chastened. If you're saved, you can expect uh, that to happen. You can expect uh, also to be chastened when you're saved, not just because you're a child of God, but uh, you can also be be chastened or expect it to happen when you go astray because people that go on and on uh, in their sin with no chastisement, according to Hebrews chapter 12, they are really not sons of God. Uh, Hebrews 12, 6 said that he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, and then he goes uh, on his follows. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. That is, he says, if you don't get chastened at all, if you never get chastened, you're really not a legitimate son of God. So if you're a child of God, you will experience chastening. And he chastens those that he loves, Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He chastens who he loves because he loves them. Not unlike the Bible speaks of the parent with the child. In um, Proverbs, he that spareth the rod hateth his son. But uh, the one that loves him chasteneth him betimes. So the the chasing that God gives us shows his love uh, for us. So with all of that being said, and even though sometimes we're going to get chastened no matter what, whether you're doing wrong or whether you're not, uh, I want to talk to you next about how to minimize chastisement. And uh, this would be something that you'd want to know about, I'll tell you. Um, I mean, let's face it, even if it's for our own good, nobody really likes a good whipping. Uh, It's clear that no matter what, again, if you're saved, you're going to be chastened. But I believe you can minimize the amount of whipping that you need by being a good Christian. In other words, the less you do wrong, really the less God needs to whip you. 
And moreover, even when you do wrong, if you catch yourself, you might be able to avoid a spiritual whipping. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verses 31 and, and 32, I'm going to get that for you and read it. And it says this, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So it's like the Lord does chasten us, um, but if you'll catch yourself and judge yourself, you might minimize the chastening. When the chastening comes, okay, when we're judged, it's chastening. But if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So you might be able to nip your chastening in the bud by getting it right with God. I don't think you can just go about that presumptuously, saying, um, all right, I'm going to sin, and then I'm going to confess it, so I don't get whipped. No, you can expect to get whipped for that. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. If you try to make a mockery out of God's system of grace, uh, you get whipped for sure. And the Bible says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. And that is a sin of presumption if you think, I'm going to go ahead and do it, and then I'll just confess it and get right later. Now, you're missing the whole point. So the key to uh, to uh, for for this is, you know, you, you recognize you've done wrong, you got a heartfelt repentance, and you judge yourself guilty before God, before God judges you for your sin. And you plead for his mercy, and more about that here in a little bit. So you want to repent. You want to have a change of heart and mind and attitude about that sin. You repent of your wrongdoing. You confess it to God as sin. And certainly, still, you're not going to always avoid punishment. But if you don't do so, you certainly are going to get punished, and probably worse. Now, in the same context of um, what I read you in 1 Corinthians 11, were those that had not confessed their sin and in such condition um, improperly partook of the Lord's Supper. And when the Lord's Supper is given in a church service, it is extremely important that you have things right between you and and God before partaking, or you can bring chastisement down upon your head uh, very swiftly. And those that did not do so, those that didn't get these things right, they paid an awful price to the point where in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28 and 29, the Lord had told you to, ex- to examine yourself. And in verse 29, when they didn't, um, they ate and drank damnation to themselves. And judgment would come. And the judgment was that uh, for this cause, many were sick and, and um, sickly and uh, many slept. Many were weak and sickly among them and, and many slept. So you don't, want to bring that kind of thing upon you uh, when you don't have to. And that's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, that talks about it. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That is, they, some have actually died. They were chastened unto death. Now, when, this, when I get to this idea of confessing your sin, I want to emphasize that it is important for a child of God to confess his sins to uh, the Father, uh, God in heaven. <clears throat> 1 John 1, verse 9. That's a lot of what confession is. We judge ourselves to be guilty and then we confess those sins to God. We tell him what we've done wrong. And once you're saved, though, it's not necessary to do this to maintain your salvation. It is necessary to do it in order to maintain close fellowship with your Heavenly Father. And I want you to be aware of those who tell you that once you're saved, you don't need to confess your sins. I uh, heard a guy on the tape preaching on and on about this, and he said, uh, confess my sins. Uh, confess my sins. I ain't got no sins. And the idea was, he was confusing his state with his standing. And his standing was perfect in Christ Jesus. 
but his state and our state is that sometimes we uh, leave ourselves in the state of, of having done something against the Lord. That is, on a, from a doctrinal standpoint, you may be justified. You can't lose your salvation. But from a practical standpoint, you might be in sin and uh, not in good fellowship with your, with your heavenly Father. So Proverbs 28 and verse 13 puts it like this. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So if you want mercy, then you confess them. If you want the Lord to whip you raw, then just ignore them. And I'd certainly recommend the former as opposed to the latter. You confess your sins to the Lord. Now, again, if you'd minimize chastisement, then own up to your own sin, confess them to God, and plead with God for his mercy. I'm going to read you now from Psalm 38. And Psalm 38, David uh, calls this in the title, it's, or it is called a, a Psalm of David, and it said, a Psalm of David to bring to remembrance. And David is beginning the psalm by saying, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. These are actual prayers, a lot of these psalms are, that uh, folks prayed. And here's one that David prayed, and God put it in the Bible so that we could learn how to pray. And you might want to make these words your own or words like them when you have done wrong to the Lord and you're catching yourself. And David says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head. As in heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. David is acknowledging uh, his own guilt for, for the reason of this chastisement being upon him. My wounds stink and are corrupt. Why? Because of my foolishness. It's my fault. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease. And there is no soundness in my flesh. And that would sound like uh, some sort of um, chastisement, some sort of disease for uh, sexual sin. And, of course, we know David had some guilt along those lines. But he says, my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. And then down, I'll skip down to verse 18. He said this, for I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. And that's the right attitude. That's David's going to confess that to God, and he's going to have a heart of repentance, um, a godly sorrow, which work with repentance to get these things right with the Lord. So once you have recognized that you've done wrong, confess it to the Lord, get it right as soon as possible, maintain a um, close fellowship with him when you breach it, get it patched up just as soon as you're able, and, and plead for his mercy. One other place uh, David is praying in Psalm 6, and he says in uh, beginning in verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. And uh, much like we read in Psalm 38. But he says then in verse 2, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. So David, again, though he's facing that uh, chastisement or the potential of it, um, he's, he's praying for the Lord to uh, cut it back and minimize it and be merciful to him. 
All right. Now, as we've said, we're going to we're going to face chastisement sometime. And and that's um, that's part of how to handle it. And I want to talk to you more now about hand, how to handle chastisement. Uh, we want to see it minimized. You can try to get it right and plead for the Lord's mercy. When the chastisement comes, um, I want to talk to you now about how to handle that, how to handle chastisement when you're going through it. Three times the Bible tells us to despise not the chastening of the Lord. And I want to take a, a brief look at each of those passages, beginning in Job chapter 5. Job chapter 5, verse 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. And again, the Lord has to tell us that because sometimes we don't immediately realize we're happy when he's correcting us. But you begin to see it from his standpoint, and you realize, all right, praise the Lord, he is. Because the further I'd have gone astray, uh, the worse um, I'd have got myself in trouble. Behold, happy is a man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore and bindeth up. He woundeth, and his hands make whole. God knows that he's, um, he's got something he's trying to work in your life, righteousness and, and blessing. There is a, a method to what to us sometimes seems like God's madness of, of chastening. And God is a wise God and a loving God, and he knows well what he's doing. And so when he begins to whip, uh, our best bet is to hang in there, not despise it, not get mad at him, but just get through the chastisement. In Proverbs chapter 3, he tells us in verse 11, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Don't let it wear you out and wear you down. Uh, let patience have her perfect work. Again, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He knows what he's doing. So neither be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Sometimes when the Lord's chasing, we feel like he doesn't like us. Fact is, he chases us because he does like us. We feel like he doesn't love us, but he chases us because he does love us. He delights in us, and uh, he wants us to be the best that we can be for him and uh, doing right. And so he'll try to get us on track with that uh, chastisement. The other place that it talks about not despising the chasing of the Lord, despise not, is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 I'll read. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. All right, citing the fact that this was uh, written before and spoken before. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So don't be weary of it. Don't despise it. Don't be weary of it. Don't faint when he chastens you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hang in there. Uh, there's blessings in the end, like it was in the case of Job. Dis my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So again, we are, we are told not to despise it. We're told we're happy when God corrects us. We're told that uh, we're blessed. We're told not to be weary. Uh, we're told uh, not to faint when we're rebuked of him. Why? Because we know the end is of chastisement is good for us. And since we do know the end is good for us, we should try to see the chastisement through God's eyes and handle it with an eye toward the blessings to come. Because if you can just get through that thing, there is a blessing on the end. 
um, toward the end of, end of the passage about chastisement in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it makes this abundantly clear in verses 11 uh, which we, and through 13. And we read 11 before about no uh, chastening seeming to be joyous, but then afterward dealing the peaceful fruit of righteousness which, uh, unto them which are exercised thereby. And then it goes on to say, because of that, wherefore, since you know it's going to be good in the end, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Let the Lord do what he's doing because he knows what he's doing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? What I want you to notice there is the word endure. If ye endure chastening. This is a, a key idea about how to handle chastisement. It's to endure it. You endure it to get through to the other side. Because there's a blessing on the other side. So when you're going through chastisement, and when it seems like you're getting whipped raw, and maybe maybe you can't even figure why. Again, remember, God might be doing something in your life, even though you weren't doing something wrong. He might be trying to squeeze out maybe the last allowance of your own self-righteousness. He might be trying to uh, prepare you to receive a double blessing in the end. And what you've got to do then is with an eye to that future and a trust toward God, is you got to endure it. you got to endure it. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. you got to get through that thing, get to the other side. James 5 and verse 11, it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So you just got to try to get through it. You just hang in there and, and let God do what he's doing, trusting that he knows what he's doing, because you can be sure that he does. Speaking to the church at Laodicea, in Revelation chapter 3, the Lord Jesus said in verse, four, or in verse number 19, he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So one of the Lord's last messages to the church included the idea of chastening. When you receive chastening, uh, your chastening might come along with the rebuke. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. The Lord put them together there. And the reason is because of the corrective nature of chastisement. God may be getting your attention and pointing you to a certain thing that needs to be altered, something that, that needs to be out of your life that you weren't supposed to be doing. Something that needs to be in your life that you were supposed to be doing. The chastisement might come along with that rebuke, which might come to you in a preaching message. Might come to you just as the Spirit of God impresses something upon your conscience. Might come to you through your Bible reading. The Lord gives you that rebuke and because he wants you to get that thing right. So the process uh, outlined in Revelation um, 3 verse 19 is, is properly complete. When the Christian regains his zeal and repents and gets things right. Again, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So there's the process, what God's doing. Then we need to have our response, which is be zealous, therefore, and repent. We need to get things right with the Lord and regain that zeal for living for him. Now, if the child of God doesn't respond uh, properly to chastisement, it may well lead to more chastisement. As the Lord continues uh, to try to bring about that desired result of bringing you back into right relationship with himself. And such chastisement from the Lord can 
uh, become very severe. Psalm 118 and verse number uh, 18 says, The Lord hath chastened me sore. I mean, you can get to the place where, where you can just get whipped uh, pretty raw, pretty sore in your chastisement. And that verse in its entirety says, The Lord hath chastened me sore, but hath not given me over unto death. So sometimes you can get whipped uh, pretty bad, but you're still alive. And again, sometimes you might cross that line um, into the sin unto death, as it were, that John talks about in his one of his epistles, and, and that the Corinthians faced when many of them slept. But uh, the, uh, the the moral of that story, friends, is is don't put God to the test to see how much you can handle before he you know, sees and deems that you've crossed the line is as soon as you feel the rod and start heading in the direction that that rod is trying to direct you. Now, um, in Job 34, as we, we wrap this thing up uh, just a little bit more, Job 34, 31, it says, Surely it is meet to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend anymore. And really, that verse shows the proper response to chastening. But not just to say that and make them vain, hollow words, but to show that by, by your actions. To have that really be your attitude from your heart. I, I went through it, and uh, I'm not going to do that again because I don't want to go through that again. And then, and then get the thing right. Don't do it anymore. You know, um, repent and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon thee. The Christian should always remember that upon salvation— he, he became property of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And if we defile this temple, we incur God's judgment. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read you uh, verses 16 and uh, 17 there. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. There's a reaping of what one has sown by defiling the temple of God, which is the body of the saved child of God. Bodies being the temple of the Holy Ghost. So, so don't do that. Really is a simple lesson from that. Don't defile that temple because that can incur uh, chastening upon you as you reap for your sins. You know, sometimes it unfortunately takes chastisement to get our attention. Isaiah 26, verse 16 says, Lord, in trouble have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. Sometimes uh, folks don't come visit the Lord for fellowship. Sometimes they don't go to church. Sometimes they don't pray until God gets out the rod and begins to whip them. Then they head back to church. Then they head back to their secret place of uh, Bible reading and prayer. And um, that's okay, and that's good, and that's what the Lord's trying to do. The thing you don't want to make a mistake of is when the Lord begins to bring the rod back, when he begins to draw it back and, and begins to ease up on you. You don't want to make the mistake of falling right back into your uh, lazy ways and your sinful ways of no fellowship with God. Let it, let him be corrective. Let him, let him be something that uh, puts you back on the right track and keeps you there. <clears throat> so seek to live 
so that God has your attention without having to chasten you. But then when chastisement comes, respond by drawing close to God and correcting anything that needs correction in your life and then staying in that right relationship with him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Strobel. Um, boy, I can think of uh, other times and and actually many times in my life where I've been chastened by the Lord and, and looking back on it, thankful that it happened the way it happened, that he drew me back when I was heading for the desert, you know, and, and I've done things that I shouldn't have done. And I, you know, I, we talk about the, the passage that you read there in Hebrews, um, was it Hebrews 12? Yep. 12, 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us. And I, you know, I think of my dad and the times that he corrected me and, uh, you know, didn't want to be corrected at the time, but I look back and I think, boy, I'm glad I was, you know, it doesn't take much to take a trip downtown or anywhere these days and see kids just out of control, parents standing by and doing nothing and thinking, where do they think these kids are going to end up? You know, that they, they receive no discipline, no chastisement for, for their poor behavior. And I think as a result, very often we see the result in our society of, of the, you know, the natural parents that don't discipline or chastise their children and, and nobody wants to be around them. I certainly don't. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, so. <laughs> So, and often I saw that as a school counselor, public school counselor for 27 years. I saw that as well, where kids were just out of control. They were, um, you know, uh, making poor choices and parents just, you know, just let them go. And I'm so thankful that my natural father didn't do that. And so, and I can think of the times that the Lord has chastened me. And I look back and, again, same thing. I'm so glad that happened. Well, amen. Uh, good counsel, uh, Pastor Strobel. Uh, you know, you, you always uh, have good things to say, and, and you always apply well through, through the scriptures and and uh, give a way out, too. That's always a positive thing. You know, it's one thing to, to let people know they're going to be chastened, but uh, to be able to give them a, a remedy for that and, and an attitude to have towards the the chastisement you you talked about uh, the the sheep going astray and the shepherd wanting to protect the sheep from from future danger if they head down that same path uh, if you would indulge me i have just a lo- one little story that uh, was brought to mind as soon as you said that uh, i'd been saved uh, probably about 3 months was still in the service uh, the ship pulled out from where we were around Jacksonville in Mayport, Florida, and we went to uh, uh, Tampa. And uh, they had a, an amusement park there called Bush Gardens. And I was totally naive as to really what it was all about and so forth. And and uh, somebody said amusement park. I said, okay, let's go. And a good friend that, that you all know uh, was with me and uh, – uh, we took the bus on out there, and, and uh, as you get into the gate, there's a, a brewery uh, to go through. Now, I, I had no trouble giving up, uh, you know, the drinking and stuff like that. Some of the other vices I had trouble with, but the drinking was not a problem. And uh, so my friend said, come on, let's go see how they make beer. 
and uh, you know, I was kind of hemming and hawing. He and he kind of convinced me, so we walked through and took a look at the thing. Well, I had no idea at the end of that they were going to have what they call a hospitality line, and they give you a small little cup of beer that they had just made. And I'm sitting there, took, took a look, had this thing in my hand, and, and I'm looking around, and some of the fellows on the ship uh, that we had been trying to witness to were standing at the end of the line watching. And, uh, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm hemming and hawing about this thing, and my friend says, come on. And so he took in, drank his down, and I, I put it up to my lips, and, and I tasted it, and then I put it down. I said, no, nope, no, nope, not for me, and I gave it to somebody else. Well, throughout the day, you know, we were riding the rides and so forth, and, and I had an ice cream sandwich, and I had a Coke. That's all I had for that day. And uh, lo and behold, about an hour or two afterwards, uh, I'm starting to feel sick. And for 20 minutes, going through the agony of the preparation for the inevitable, which you all probably know is coming, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, for, uh, for 20 minutes, the agony, and then 20 minutes, the, the action, and then 20 minutes of freedom. And then the next hour came along, and there was 20 minutes of agony and 20 minutes of doing the business and, and 20 minutes of freedom. That went on for seven hours. And uh-huh. we're not talking about, you know, any, you know, just kind and gentle. It was it was pretty nasty. <laughs> and... If God wants to get my attention, all he has to do is make me sick. And and I'm I'm confessing everything and anything and more things than I even know that I can possibly <laughs> do and just trying to get it all covered underneath the blood. But it was interesting in that I knew it was the Lord because he was heading me off from something that would be a weakness for me later on. Uh, you know, I had just gotten saved, and, and if I'd have tasted that or drank that and and, uh, you know, no ill effects had come from it, I would have been tempted to do it more. Amen. And uh, that was God's way of making it very clear to me that that was something you did not want to do. Uh, I got back on the ship and, and uh, you know, slept through the night and, and had really no more ill effects after those seven hours were up. And my friend went out uh, to uh, party on in uh, the city. They were having some sort of festival. He comes up uh, and and goes through his work day, and and I'm doing something. I come back up to my rack uh, to to get something, and there he is laying in his rack during the day, which he can't do. And uh, I said, man, what are you doing? I'm giving him a hard time and stuff like that. And he just turned around and he showed me the back of his head. He got about eight or nine stitches in the back of his head. And the thing that came out of my mouth was, ah, the Lord got you too, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, it was one of those very vivid things where I had no doubt of where it was coming from. And it headed me off. And I have not had any inkling of a temptation to go uh, back to drinking uh, at all, and uh, that fixed me. And it was—it wasn't that I was doing anything. I mean, I say doing anything wrong. I did, but just that little Dixie cup wouldn't have done anything to me. But he wanted to make sure that I didn't progress any further than that. And sometimes that chastisement comes to head off uh, a dangerous thing. You know, once that was done, and uh, the next day came. 
there was freedom, there was liberty. In fact, I was almost giddy. Uh, the fact that, that the decision uh, had been made within my own will uh, by the chastisement of the Lord, that that was something I was not going to get back into. So uh, there, is a, there is a good thing, good side to chastisement, if you can uh, accept that little testimony as, as a proof of it. Amen. 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 Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, when I when I got saved, I was uh, on fire for the Lord for about a year and a half. And then uh, the devil brought along a job uh, where I would travel every single week and uh, I would fly out uh, to a different state in North America and then fly back and uh, all over the country and even Canada and different places like that. And uh, so the Lord uh, allowed me to do that, of course. He gives us a free will, and I didn't even check to see if it was his will for me to do, and I just assumed that it was from him. You know, I got a lot better pay, and so I just said, okay, Lord, this must be from you, so I'm just going to go do it. And uh, I got out of church for, uh, you know, I would go every once in a while, but for 14 months, uh, I had that job, and I was pretty far away from the Lord most of the time and, and uh, not doing right. And I just remember, I mean, over and over, I had no peace. And that's that's how the Lord chastised me. You know, chastisement, like uh, Pastor Strobel said, a lot of times will come in different different ways, pain and agony and different things like that. Uh, he didn't give me any peace. And that was the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, the Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs, um, I believe it's chapter 13, uh, the way of transgressors is hard. And uh, I, it was hard for me because I didn't have any peace. And I remember after uh, those 14 months, I finally got right with the Lord and because I remember preaching. Uh, I remember preaching on the fact that, listen, God's going to chastise you. If you're not doing right, you got to repent and uh, you got to get right with the Lord. And uh, just to go back to something that Pastor Strobel did bring up, which I think is really, really important, uh, which is getting more and more popular even now again today, is the fact that uh, there is preachers today that are saying that you don't have to repent now that you're saved. And uh, I believe, uh, of course, that's a lie from the devil. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, of course, it is, like Pastor Strobel said, you don't have to repent uh, for your salvation to, to get your salvation back. You're already saved. But, but you know, if I would have believed that, I would have just kept on going my own way and do whatever I wanted to do, and I wouldn't have gotten right. But it was that preaching that I had remembered uh, that brought me back into fellowship with the Lord. I quit that job. I moved right into the Bronx, New York, right by a good Bible-leaving church that I knew of and, and that I, I had gone to before I went to take that job, and I got right. And, uh, you know, that that's a big issue. I remember when I was uh, preaching and going on deputation to come on here to Alaska. Uh, it was supposed to—it was before a really good Bible-leaving church, and I went there, and I preached on the fact that we have to wake out of sleep— uh, the time is now far spent and all that, Romans chapter 13, and uh, we have to put off the works of darkness. And so I had preached on the fact that we have to repent. If we're not doing right, we've got to repent and get right and, and live for the Lord, or he's going to chastise us. And that preacher got up right after me, and he just, <laughs> he said, that, that's not true. You don't have to repent of anything, and, and just going off. And it's a sad fact, and I think you've got to be really careful. Uh, yes. If you ever hear a preacher say anything like that, uh, that. It is a lie from the devil, and uh, it's from the pit of hell, because, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says we're supposed to examine ourselves and judge Amen. ourselves. Amen. And you can't, uh, you can't judge yourself unless, uh, unless you repent of your sins. So 
Uh, I've never heard anybody's argument against that that believes you don't have to repent. Uh, but again, uh, we need to keep close accounts with God or he will chastise us. And again, I thank the Lord that he did chastise me and uh, got me back uh, in fellowship with him. So, amen. It was a great study. Yeah, amen. amen. Now, some people that are listening are going to be thinking to themselves, come on now, how am I supposed to know if things start going bad in my life or I get sick or something happens? How am I going to know if that's the chastisement of the Lord or not? And I guess my first thought would be, you better examine yourself and uh, mm-hmm. and and you know take a close look and see if, in fact, you know you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, or you know there's things that you need to clear up and and confess. That that would be my first thought. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's the way to play it safe. I mean, when it started happening to Job. He would have thought about it, he, and I think that's where he wrestled with. He couldn't really find anything that he'd done wrong. But, um, again, the Lord's got a purpose in the whole thing, so uh, you're safe to examine yourself. And what well, was it you, Brother Steve, was saying you started confessing things you didn't even do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's like this. I think, you know, if it isn't for something I'm doing right now, you know, there's plenty of things that could be for the past. I mean, it's yeah. just... Yeah, man. scales are balancing out, but but if 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 it draws you closer to God to make you more cautious, to to make you more circumspect, that's a good thing. Yeah, and it, as kind of as I said at the beginning, I um, it's just been on my mind, or I guess it's the Lord that's impressing him upon me the just the how merciful He is and and what yeah. grace He has for us. You know, it, I I know that. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not perfect yet. You guys know that. <laughs> and and yet I can still be a Christian and, and still be saved. And, you know, it, it boggles my mind that, you know, he, with all my shortcomings, all my failings, um, he still loves me, you know. Amen. 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 If I could add one, one thing, you know, sometimes people will use uh, the barometer, if you will, uh, I've done something wrong and they're kind of waiting for God to lower the hammer and it doesn't come and therefore they reason within themselves, then it must be okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a slippery slope to, to believe yes. that, uh, there's a verse that comes to mind in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter eight and verse 11, it says, because mm-hmm. sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In other words, because they didn't get punished for it, they think it's okay to go ahead and do. And God, uh, you know, I've heard preachers say this over the years, and I've said it before. God's not in a hurry to do anything. Now, in my case, uh, that illustration that I gave, it was pretty immediate. But I was a young Christian, uh, and God wanted to make an impression on me very early in my Christian life. And I don't know how I could describe it, but I just knew, you know, when that chastisement came, I knew there was just an inner witness, I guess you could say, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, You know, sometimes he'll let you go and let you go and let you go to see what you're going to do with it. And then if you don't do anything with it and you think you're, you're getting away with it, then he'll lower the boom. You know, there are times when he'll give you the warning in the preaching of the word. Sometimes he'll give you the warning when you're reading the scriptures. Sometimes he'll give you the warning with a thought that comes into your mind when you're praying. 
And if your conscience or your, your will, if you will, your mind uh, ignores it and just puts it aside, then eventually he'll, he'll bring, the, bring the hammer and, and let you know in, know in certain terms that, uh, you know, that, that uh, uh, type of behavior is not, not going to be tolerated. So, no. Amen. Amen. Very good point. Well, guys, thanks again. Amen. Matt, when you first started, uh, you know, talking about your take on what Pastor Strobel had, had given us today, I, I started hearing like violins and classical music playing. I don't know if you guys heard it. Was it no. too quiet? I, I, apparently, my elbow had hit the sound card and, and started <laughs> started music. I'm like, well, at least it didn't I go. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what is going on? God's talking to me. It was my elbow. Will, will that go on the recording? Yeah, you'll hear it on the recording. It, uh, it's just it's baked into what Matt was saying there at the beginning. <laughs> I'll look A little food music back. for it, huh? Yeah. So Matt's got his own music cue when he when he talks. Huh? <laughs> uh, All right. Rightfully so, too. Rightfully. So. That's right. <laughs> and thank the Lord, we didn't have really any significant uh, glitches on the technology side of Skype. So appreciate that we're able to get through that. So, guys, thanks again, and we'll see you here in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. Amen. All right. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies. Going where going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Go with where no one dies. Heavenward bound. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at that's in the Bible.com or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on. You're absolutely correct.